Welcome to today's episode. I'm Dina Adams, your host of the Walking With You podcast. And my guest today is Nikki Green. And I met Nikki through an amazing group. And one of the things I really enjoy about Nikki is she's so transparent. And she's so real. And she just is not like a bad in your face, but it's like a I'm going to say it. It's going to be bold. It's going to be, you know, just prepare yourself and know that I love you. (laughs) Because her heart is to help people be their best and to trust themselves and to take whatever's coming at them in life and figure out how they can take it and allow change to just be a natural thing in their life, which I love because I believe change is inevitable. It is a natural thing. It's going to happen. And so Nikki is just amazing when she she touches on that and talks about that. So Nikki, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thanks. That was such a great intro. I'm going to have to record that and keep it for later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I would love for you, now that I gave my introduction, I would love for you to share who you are, what you do, and who you serve in your business. Yeah. So uh, my name is Nikki Green. I am a life and business resiliency expert. So I help people through major life milestones as they're trying to transform and trying to find the next best part of their lives. Um, I do both life and business coaching. Um, I focus mostly on young professionals, people that are just leaving university and going into the workforce, or maybe they started working, then this wonderful pandemic happened and they're like, maybe not that. And so... (laughs) Um, It's been incredibly just a wonderful journey to transition from I spent the last 20 years in Silicon Valley working in a corporate job. Um, I traveled the world, um, had a lot of great adventures there, which I talk about in my first book, I Laugh in the Face of Danger, um, and now really helping to help the next generation of leaders transform, do things differently, and be their true and vulnerable selves. So that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) Thank you so much. I love that. You're right up my alley because... You know, life and business coaching is something I'm super passionate about. And I think that most people, until they get into this entrepreneurial space or they get into these larger corporations that are bringing in personal and business development, don't even know about things like this. And so I think it's just great what you do. And I love the resiliency piece of it because... (laughs) We need to be resilient in this world if we're going to be able to achieve and make it in the way that we desire. Well, and just you could really see the difference between people in the last two years is some people and we were all going through it at the same time, right? So it was really easy to sort of see that ripple effect where you had to quickly make decisions and you didn't have a lot of information. Um, and so, you know, for me, my personal job, it was like, oh, okay, well, we have to work from home. Well, I worked in Silicon Valley. We had laptops. We had internet, you know, not that big of a deal. Right. And I know how to tell the different times across the world. So, you know, for me, it was like, okay, quick, no problem. I'm back to work the next day. For other people, you know, it was a really dramatic transition. Maybe they didn't have good internet. Maybe they didn't have a solid laptop. They're doing things off their phone, right? And everybody's kind of piecing things together. And so really starting to see that difference in how people were able to adapt and what that kind of trickled down to in the rest of their lives and whether they're even recovered now almost two to three years later, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That recovery time. 
and not everyone recovers at the same rate and not everyone recovers. So a lot of people just kind of drift into the new normal and just say, well, this is as good as it gets. So um, I, I'm sure resiliency, being a resiliency expert, there's some things in your in your story that can tr- that attribute to that resiliency and that overcoming of what you've gone through. And so there's a few things about your story that I I really want to know. And it's because okay. like I get very intrigued with people's stories. I learned in sharing pieces of of my life. I learned that there's way more to our journey than we realize ourselves until someone else asks. And then we're like, oh yeah, and this. Oh, and I forgot about this and and that thing. And and then your story becomes this very big thing. And so there, you know, there's a few things, a couple of things that I think are really awesome. And then some things that I'm like, oh, I really want to understand this. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that being able to share your story when our listeners are hearing your story, they're going to be like, I totally get that. Like, I've been through something similar or I've experienced this kind of thing or I've done that too and thought, but just listening to me, they're not going to get that. And so I, I just think it's so amazing when other people are going to come on here and share their story of overcoming to inspire and empower other people. So you have shared with me a bit of your story pop like topics, right? Yeah. Um first, I am very I can't learn one language, let alone four. I took two years of Spanish in high school. I had a private tutor for a year once our kids were older and in school, and I still couldn't get through the basics of Spanish and read. <laughs> when I hear someone knows more languages, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so envious because I think it's so cool. So what what are the four languages that you speak? And why uh, did you Jepal- say? Say that again. Yeah, and then Espanol, Ixtreca Deutsche, and every once in a while I figure out how to say English things. <laughs> French, German, and Spanish. And I do my podcast partially in Spanish as well, um, especially because the next generation is uh, about 50% Hispanic uh, origin. And so a lot of the next generation, Spanish is pretty much either their primary language or their their bilingual. So I started with French and I took French all through high school and into college. um, And I actually did a study abroad in Paris for a summer, which was fantastic. And that really... It changed the way I saw the language. It changed the way I saw the culture. And it made me better understand what it actually took to speak a language. You spend all this time in class doing all this boring stuff, conjugating verbs, blah, blah, who cares, right? Right, right. (laughs) And it doesn't make the language come alive. And um, I always knew I wanted to travel. I moved every two years of my life. So for me, it was about the experience of being able to not just travel, but really to go there and see what life was like and feel like, you know, as close as I can, like to a native of of someone that would live there. And so that was incredibly just a powerful experience. And in high school, I wanted to also take Spanish at the same time. And my counselor was like, but but why would you want to take two languages? Like no one speaks like two extra languages. Like, <laughs> that's, you know, the mindset of high school counselor at the time. Right. Still- <laughs> um, but again, living in California most of my life, 
Spanish was incredibly valuable. So just being able to talk to people all around. And now um, my boyfriend is from Mexico and his niece lives with us. So we speak Spanish in the house here, um, which again is taking my language to a whole nother level. And so, you know, between French and Spanish, they're similar, at least in origin. So it was easy to kind of add one. I confuse them sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it sounds like Portuguese, but it's not. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> And then when I got to college, I started taking German, which was um, really cool, you know, to kind of see the parallels back to English and how kind of some of our words are, you know, have German origins. So, you know, uh, and every once in a while I get on Duolingo and start to play around with Japanese or, you know. <laughs> That's fun. I've played on Duolingo. You think I'd remember something. I really wanted to learn Italian and I'm I'm, I'm done. I've, I've, I've stopped. Some things our brains just are not wired for, and mine is not wired to retain languages other than the one <laughs> I, was, I naturally learned growing up. <laughs> I think that's really amazing. Um, you did a lot of traveling as well, I see. And we're going to get into her her depth of her story here soon, but I just like to touch on some of the fun things first. Um, that's a lot of countries to go to, 14. 14. Yeah. And and hopefully more coming soon with the book launch. So, um, you know, for me, it was great, too, even as I was younger, getting some exposure from my parents. So we used to go down to Mexico to go fishing um, and we would not just, you know, sort of go there as tourists, but really we would go to the homestay of um, the captain of the boat and we would bring extra toys and clothes and stuff for his kids and really get a very different experience than probably most people have, you know, when mm. they go to Mexico. But my family really always encouraged us, like, don't just go and like leave your mark on a place. Make sure that the place is leaving a mark on you. Um, and so that always really stuck with me as we were, you know, going to different places. And then uh, when I was a senior in uh, high school, my stepmom won a radio contest and we got to go to Canada. So we got to go to Vancouver. Right. <laughs> So it was all these sort of like just, you know, sort of random happenstance in the beginning. And then as I got my corporate job. I absolutely was all in on the fact that I wanted to travel internationally and I wanted the opportunity to work with other cultures. Um, and so the rest is from work and, you know, sort of gallivanting around as I was um, starting in one place and going to the next. So it's it's been a real blessing and can't wait to see more of this amazing world we have. <laughs> That's awesome. I've never been out of the country. I've only traveled if I absolutely had to go somewhere for something going on. Otherwise, I don't go. I've never traveled for pleasure. <laughs> I, I love, you know, it's it's so crazy because I think sometimes we're like, oh, I'm so jealous that they got to do that and I didn't. And, you know, I think about, well, would my life, would I have, you know, been able to accomplish the things I accomplished? Would I have been... Like, would it have made my life better? There's no guarantee that doing any of these things would have made my life better. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people will say, um, what would you go back and change in your life? And I always say, I wouldn't change anything. And when they hear some parts of my story, they're like, how can you say that you would never change going through that? And I said, because there's no guarantee that I wouldn't have gone through something even worse. That's true. We're like, right? And so when I, I have learned that when other people should have these experiences, like I've learned in my life to be really excited for other, like truly, genuinely happy for other people and the experiences that they have. Because 
I would like people to feel that way for me instead of jealous and all of those mm. kinds of things. So I just think that's really awesome. So I want to get into your into your story. <laughs> and you can start wherever you want and share as much or as little. I'll probably have questions. So if I, if it's not something you want to share, that's okay too. Um, you share that you have six parents. <laughs> so that is one thing at some point in your story, I would like to understand like what that, you know, a lot of us say, oh, I had like, you know, this person and they were like another mom to me or parents got married, divorced, remarried, all the things. Um, but that's a very, this is a very prominent part of your story. This is something that's really important. So as you share your story, I would just love if you can incorporate why that is important for people to understand as well. Yeah. And it really talks about why I can adapt to change in the way that I can, because from my very first breath, from my very first step, I was having to adapt to having, you know, six different parents, having different influence in my life, living in different states, different places, um, and having very different ideas about the world. Um, and usually I need some sort of props for this. It's very difficult, but we'll try to do it as best we can without any ketchup, mess, mustard, salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will envision as you tell us and use the analogies. We're, we're good. <laughs> yeah. And, and in the new book, we did have a, a very talented graphic artist make a family for us to try to put it together. So we might need to make this a downloadable. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give them a visual at some, maybe. Maybe we'll just have you back another time and we'll have like a whole visual, visual piece <laughs> that we yeah. can share just for YouTube or something. <laughs> exactly. That'll give them the, the incentive to go over to the video. <laughs> So um, my biological mom and my biological father were friends from high school and um, friends of the family. They knew each other for a very long time, um, but they weren't, weren't meant to be together. So it was a very short-lived relationship. I came out of that relationship um, and soon my biological father decided uh, that was not the life for him and he took off to go explore his future. So my mom ended up being a single mom in the beginning, uh, really struggling, working two jobs, working incredibly hard to make ends meet as she was graduating from university. <laughs> um, and so I'm very thankful for all the sacrifices that my mom made. And um, we were living in Reno, Nevada at the time. And so then she began working in the casinos there as one of her jobs. And she met who would become my first stepdad, my brother's dad. Now, they were never married together for a few years. My brother was a wonderful benefit of that relationship. Um, and then as life would have it, it just wasn't the right fit. And then my stepdad met my first stepmom and they would be the people that were meant to be together. I was very fortunate that my stepdad always was a part of my life. He was in my life from probably the age of like three or four till he's still obviously a integral part of my life today. Um, and he never was like, oh, you're my stepdaughter or you're not my kid. He always just included me as part of his family, which I absolutely appreciate. And my stepmom is just the most loveliest person <laughs> in the world. And so that was kind of the beginning. I watched them fall in love. My brother and I went to their wedding. And so it was really a nice, warm story. And very shortly after, my mom met my second stepdad and they would end up being the people that were meant to be together. So again, we watched them fall in love. We got to go to their weddings and they're still together today. Um, and so that kind of feels like the normal. You have like kind of two, you know, parents on each side. Then my biological father decided to show back up when I was about 10 uh, with a new stepmom number two in tow. 
along with a bunch of stepkids and my half-sister. And so now we're up to six parents, uh, three couples living in different states and very different lifestyles. And once again, got to go to the wedding, watch them fall in love. (laughs) (laughs) And so how many siblings is that? So I have a half sister, a half brother. I have um, three half, three stepsisters and a stepbrother. It's too hard for me to even keep <laughs> But how, you know, I think a lot of times we don't recognize and you shared this is you got to watch them fall in love. You got to watch them and their story unfold. And a lot of people have a really hard time adapting to someone coming into their life. Right, like that. I was one of those people. I really, I, you know, I was a, it was a challenge. But I think it's important to hear that there is room for those other people and being able to understand that that change is important. And it's not, it's never about the children. It's always about the adults and what they do and don't want in their lives and ultimately what ends up being better for the children to some degree, not in all scenarios, right? Um, so I think that's a I think that's really great. And and I saw it when I was younger because I saw some of my friends as I moved to nine different schools over the years. Um, I, I saw them have, you know, parents that were together and then divorced and how the fighting and and the custody and and all those ugly things mm-hmm. that were happening really affected them and and their grades weren't good and and they were acting out all the time and trust me i was still as bold then as <laughs> so i was i was my own handful and i kind of needed six people to give me guidance but <laughs> but you know i just i i was always very appreciative that you know they were there um you know obviously teenage years i did my own thing and i was always still pushing back but i think i i am the person i am today because i had all of their guidance and when I didn't like one answer or it wasn't the thing that was going to help me, I had other people that I really trusted to go to to keep me on my path. So so let's dive into moving forward in adulthood, in the corporate world. What are some of the maybe most difficult challenges that you had to overcome in order to feel like in order to keep moving forward in life because a lot of times we have challenges that we're like, I just, I can't, I can't anymore. I'm done. I can't do this. Um, and I mean, you being in Silicon Valley and working in that space where many of us are like, Ooh, we're on the outside looking in this special place that nobody can touch. And, you know, it's this incredible thing that everybody just must be in like this beaver cleaver world, right? Where it's, just everyone's happy and it's all this money and it's all this greatness and technology and ideas and all the things. So from it as an outsider looking in and hearing other people, like that's a consensus of what I hear other people believe as Silicon Valley. I didn't even know what it was, nor did I care. And and I didn't even really ask until like a couple of years ago. I was like, so what's the big deal? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> you know, you you work in this place that I feel can be quite a challenge. And it seems just what I've understand, I feel like it could be, if you get into the intricacies of it, could be very competitive. Absolutely. And 
And it's there's built a lot that way. With that. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you had to go through that you felt, okay, I've gone through these, I've overcome them. Now I can come into the marketplace and I can serve others. Yeah. It, and it's it's really difficult, especially, and I talk about this, whether it's Silicon Valley or other jobs, but when you go to school, you start at this 100% and everything you do wrong, you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose place, you lose, you know, your your grades. And it doesn't really teach you to put yourself out there and try to problem solve and, and to do new things. It, it doesn't really teach you to be inventive. And then yeah. I get dropped into this world of Silicon Valley, which is incredibly competitive constantly. And everything is moving at the speed of light, even, you know, in finance, which, you know, generally finance doesn't change that often. But we're trying to stay on top of technology, on top of new accounting rules, Sarbanes-Oxley and other things are coming out. And so even being in finance and crossing over with engineering, you know, we had to be on the edge of what was happening. And so in some cases, that's really good because it creates this incredible spirit where we can collaborate together, we can learn from each other, and we can make things better. But some of those companies don't have the best performance evaluation systems. And so instead of rewarding that collaboration, they actually put you against each other. And it was sort of like, you know, Mad Max and Thunderdome, you know, two employees enter and one employee leaves. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so wow. it, it could, depending on the department, depending on the manager, there was a lot of fluctuation in what my job experience was at the different companies I work for, um, because some of those managers took everything very literal and they were very scarce mindset. Like if they weren't on top, they weren't anything. And mm. so they were constantly pushing, pushing, pushing with no real care for their employees. And for me, that didn't work. I'm a people person. I'm like, I want everybody to be happy. We should be having a good time. We'll <laughs> yeah, it's work, but you know, it's cool. <laughs> and so sometimes people took it as maybe I wasn't that serious. I don't mm -hmm. know. There was a mix of, you know, what people thought of me. Other people said they never got to know me because I really kind of guarded myself, too, because of so much strangeness that had happened as I was growing up, moving school so many times, changing school so many times. I was never permanent. I was always the new kid. So it was always like, hey, here, I'm here to flash, but I'm not really here to build long-term relationships. So I'm just going to do my work and head out. And I treated work the same way in the beginning, too. And so people, my manager was like, I know you're a nice person, but you don't seem very nice at work. You need to work on that. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, the day-to-day -day skills, you, you've got that covered. Focus less on that. Focus on like saying hi in the hallway. Just like, try to do something small. <laughs> so people don't realize, I think a lot of times that I think, um, let me say it this way. I think a lot of us wish that working for someone, they would want that to be something we work on. As opposed to only focusing on the bottom line and the skill set, because, you know, there's so much in that bottom line that comes from the interpersonal con connections in an office space inside of a company. Yeah. And, and that's what I really started to learn as I, you know, looked over my laptop and saw the people around me and started to make friends and to socialize and to help them on things they were working on. People came to me for advice. I was consulting. I was teaching classes. I was doing all these extra things. And work became so much easier. It became so much easier to collaborate with people, to problem solved, um, to get to the right decision maker, to make things move forward. And so it, it really just transformed my career once I started really just understanding that you can't just put your head into your laptop and get stuff done. 
And that's where I worry as we go into this sort of hybrid or work from home environment is that people forget that this human connection is really still going to make the difference on how productive you can really be in a day. So, Wow, I love that. So so share with us maybe, um, I guess, it, do you feel like that was your biggest challenge was the interpersonal connections in the workplace was the biggest challenge or one of that you had to overcome in order to be able to feel like feel confident enough to step out of that corporate space and into running your own business. Absolutely, because it took a while to really get comfortable with being who I was. I knew I wanted to be this bubbly, you know, fun person who could make jokes and still get the work done. But, you know, a lot of trauma in my youth, being abused in school, um, you know, just being absolutely beaten by people day after day spit on, kicked, locked in the restroom, you know, really bad, bad behavior. It just completely made me pull into myself. And so that's why it wasn't just that I was focused on work. It was like I was afraid to really share any of myself because I also didn't want people to know about those things in my past. And for years, even until I wrote my first book, many friends who have known me 10, 15 years never knew half of those stories. Because it was just like, I didn't want them to know that. I didn't want that to be my story, even though it's a chapter. But it finally taught me that, you know what, it is okay to share of yourself. It is okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to, you know, see what else is going on in people's lives and try to commiserate or, you know, empathize with your experiences. So So how did you go from, okay, here's all the trauma that you went through and experienced in in a social setting, in a space that you're supposed to make friends, you're supposed to, you know, have this social interaction, you're supposed to when it's appropriate, right? Because school, it's always <laughs> on the playground or at lunch, never when you're in the classroom. But how did you deal? Because I, I also, if I recall this part of your story correctly, is you were in a minor, you were a minority in your community. And so how, how did that impact you being a, like, how did you go from going through all of these things that were so traumatic into finding a way to overcome like what was the what are some of the things that you did that helped you overcome so that you can move beyond the identity that those traumas put on ourselves yeah a combination of things um one definitely therapy uh you know mm-hmm. just so so much chaos when i was younger on top of you know sort of those specific traumatic events um, the therapy was needed off and on throughout, you know, to just deal with those highs and lows of of normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when work would be especially stressful is when I would revert back to those, you know, behaviors and those feelings. When work was going OK and, you know, we were kind of in a good time, bonus, you know, whatever, all the fun things that are happening, party for Halloween, wearing a costume. <laughs> You know, those were the easy times. Those were the times where I could easily like push myself to be out there and and socialize and have fun. But, you know, those super stressful times, those 20 hour days, sometimes sleeping under my desk, like crazy, crazy work schedules when we were doing software releases, I just felt myself revert, revert, revert and start to feel that trauma, almost re-experiencing it over and over again, as if if I don't do well on this thing then people aren't going to accept me. And you start like going back to all those, you know, bad negative like mind thoughts. Also just great coaching. I was very fortunate to have some really good mentors, uh, managers when I was younger 
who who saw who saw that nugget of talent in me buried under all that other trauma and stuff that was happening. And they helped me pull it out. They helped me push it into the light. Um, and really just continuing to encourage me is like, you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. Stop mm-hmm. letting stuff define you. And so it was really those great combinations of mentors, great managers, you know, and the important therapy to work on the past. So so what would you tell someone who's sitting here listening to this going, but I don't have someone like that. I don't have anyone that speaks into my life like that. I don't have anyone that says or shows in any capacity that they believe in me. I'm pretty much standing here alone by myself. What do you tell them when they don't have what you had? Like, how do you help them be able to keep moving forward? Yeah, it's an important part of my business as we're moving, you know, into this next year is building a free community of of real support. And it's it's not just, you know, the people that are coming in to, you know, maybe potentially be clients, but the community is free. This is a way to pair the right mentors with the right mentee. Um, and this is why, because so many people have lost their network or their network isn't going to be the people that are going to support them on anything new. They're fine for the things they did in the past, but this jealousy or, you know, just fear, right, from people that might be your family or friends right now. And so what I try to do is I have a great network of incredible mentors for people just waiting to share time with them. And so as I spend kind of a little bit of foundational time with them to understand their needs, I can help link them to a couple of people to start their own conversation. So don't be afraid to just reach out. Um, Our Chameleon crew is available free on LinkedIn. And through this, we're going to continue to build that community. And I love when also these mentees also become mentors to the next people coming in. They've gone through it. They've learned some lessons and they love to share and help the next people coming. So I think that sounds amazing. When I um, was starting my journey, I shouldn't say starting my journey, but I was in a really big shift in my space where I went from running an accounting firm out of my house to um, stepping into this business that I'm in now years ago. And I, um, I didn't have that support. That was my thought. I didn't, I didn't think I had support, but one of the, one of the things I realized was support isn't always what we expect it to be because not other people don't always support us the way we need. They support in the way they know how, and if they don't know how they're going to do their best and it can seem like they aren't being supportive. Mm -hmm. So I turned to YouTube and books and social media and finding all these people that could pour into me. And it was through that process that I realized, no wonder my husband's so frustrated. I keep thinking he's not supportive of me. And then I listen to the things that he's saying and I'm like, oh, I need to go apologize. (laughs) He really supported me in anything and everything. Um, And I just was in this place of self-sabotage and that negative self-talk that I don't deserve. And I, you know, all these things that I was telling myself from all of my past traumas and experiences and and everything all came in when I was starting a new business, starting a new venture. And I realized that 
It wasn't that I didn't have support. It was that I didn't know how to utilize the support I had because I didn't really know what I needed or what my expectations are. So for those that think they don't have support, you might be right. And to some degree, I would say, make sure to also recognize, are you expecting a certain kind of support out of someone who doesn't have the capacity to give that support? Mm -hmm. My husband can't be every single support in every single area of my life. Like I, you know, we try to make them be, and then we get upset and frustrated. And we're like, why can't you support me? It's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so like, I'm yeah. in your world. So I, I don't know <laughs> how to support you other than say, I support you and go do you, right? So yeah. I think we also have to identify within ourselves what we think support means in a support system, a mental health provider a mentor, a coach, um, an inner circle of people that we can turn to for wisdom that we're going to hear when they say, what are you thinking? And <laughs> this is not what you're like, this isn't what you just decided you're going to do. Why are you shit? Like you need people who are going to call you out, who are going to hold you to the fire that are going to support you and cheer you on. And, and a lot of times we try to find that in one person and it is not possible. It's not realistic. And I actually had this great manager one time too. And um, he would ask us at the beginning of sort of like one-on-one -on -one conversations and stuff. It's like, okay, it, before you start, are you asking me just to listen? Are you asking for feedback? Are you asking for like a help or solution? So that mm. he could also the context of like, if you just need to complain because <laughs> something happened and you're having a bad day, cool. I can be that person, but let me put the hat on first before you blindside me. And if I'm in problem solving mode and you don't want to hear it, then we're also going to have a conflict. And so he was really great. And I tried to do that then, you know, with my employees too, is put me in the right mindset of like, what kind of conversation are we having? Do we just want to have a glass of wine and like complain? Cool. I'm there for you. But if you need help, if you're feeling like in crisis, then tell me so I can put my thinking cap on and we can go in that direction. So sometimes, yes. and it could be the right person, but if you don't tell them what you're looking for, they don't know how to help you either. <laughs> I mean, I'm the person, you have to tell me to take that hat off. Mm -hmm. If you need to just vent and know that I will let you vent. And sometimes I just can't hold back the things that come through me that... I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from, but I just have to share it. And I know you don't really want to hear anything, but can you just take it with a grain of salt? Because I do want to be respectful, yet at the same time, that's something like you have to know the person, right? Like mm -hmm. I am someone who I've always shared. I am that messenger. Like a message comes through me and I don't know who you are. I will walk up to you and say, I know you don't know me, but I just felt really compelled to come say this to you. And, you know, people will be crying in the grocery store, you know, they're at church going, who are you? What is happening? Like, I don't know you. I know you don't know me. <laughs> but if I don't, I will spend days with a headache because it's just part of who I am, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're looking for that support and you're needing a mentor and you're wanting someone to walk that with you, you have to make sure you align with who they are also. Because they yes. are going to show up as themselves for you as that support. So I always say, like, you know, when you go to find a doctor, you go to find a therapist, you go to find someone in that arena 
if you don't connect with them, if you don't feel they're serving you well, you don't, your personalities don't mesh, you don't align with them, you can step out and say, I'm going to go find somebody else that just, just doesn't feel right to me. And you can do that. Most people believe, well, it's your doctor. You just have to listen to them. No, you don't. You have to be somewhere, not so someone will tell you what you want to hear, but someone that will help you get the results you're looking for and that you can communicate well with and you can get answers from and who will be honest with you, right? Yeah. So I think that's such an important part of support systems that most people don't understand or know that they get a choice. Yeah. And that's it. It's like build your network as big as you can, as fast as you can, you know, reach out, talk to people. You don't really know what other people's experiences are, too. Um, You know, your neighbor, you may have lived next to them for 10, 15 years. You don't know. Right. But and you just know them as your neighbor. But Mm -hmm. they could have had incredible life experiences that could be useful to you. And so the other thing I really share with people is be comfortable sharing some of your journey of what you're trying to work towards because you never know where someone is going to be able to help you achieve what you're trying to do. Maybe it's not them directly either. Maybe, again, they know two or three people that they can go refer you to. And so keeping so much of our lives secret from each other, I don't think has been beneficial. And so I just say build your network and you never know where your next adventure is going to take you. (laughs) I think that's so amazing. And I think that's a great ending note. I love that phrase. And scene. Just kidding. <laughs> Chuck Mike. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us, Nikki. I really appreciate you sharing your invaluable time with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. <laughs> thank you so much for being with us today and listening to this episode. If you want to connect with Nikki, if you want to get her free offer that she has for you, I took the quiz. It's really interesting. It takes just a couple minutes. Um, it's the chameleon mindset quiz, right? Yep. Ink is what it's called. Um, and it just tells you a little bit more about how you adapt. And then she's got her book, the, Cham- the chameleon mindset book. I believe there's also a work, a journal that comes that you can get as well. So take a minute, check the comment or check the description. You can get connected with Nikki, find all her links, her podcast, all the things that she's got going on, all the places she speaks. So if you find that you resonate well with her and she's someone that you want in your world and she might be your next person that you're ready to work with, go ahead and get connected with her. And thank you again so much for being here. And always remember, you are never walking alone. We are always walking with you.